I'm Julian Brandt and you're listening to Scouted Chance. Hello everyone and welcome back to Scouted Says. This is episode 7 of the 2017-18 season. I'm Jack Grimsey alongside Stephen Genovis, Mr. Scouted himself. How's it going, Steve-o? I'm great, Jack. Yourself? Great, great. It was a, a good match day of Champions League action, so that was exciting. Got some Europa League tomorrow when this podcast will come out, of course, but let's go back through the action. We're going to talk some Serie A. That's coming up later. But last time, Connor and I really focused on the Bundesliga, a little bit of Bayern Munich struggles. And Friday, they were up 2-0 on Wolfsburg, ended up drawing that game 2-2 against Die Wolfers. And then today against Paris Saint-Germain, I think it was a little more evidence that Ancelotti's not the right man to lead the club forward. 3-0 in Paris. Bayern had never won there before. 3-0, Steve? You think? What do you think about that? Oh, firstly, PSG were just really awesome and they kind of played the game perfectly, sat back and they just had so much pace on the counter. Danny Alves at right back was superb and then Mbappe, Cavani and Neymar were just, they already look like they've been playing together for so long. They just work so well in tandem. And, you know, despite all the Cavani-Neymar talk about their relationship, didn't see any of it on the pitch. They just went about their business perfectly. Um... As for Bayern, I think they're a team with... You look at the team sheet, they've got all the names there, but they just don't work together. Um, tonight it was James, Müller, Lewandowski, Thiago, that kind of front-line combination. Um, and just no pace um, and kind of lacked a bit of creativity as well. So, yeah, Bayern have a lot of problems. I think... And especially Ancelotti has a lot of problems. I, uh, I think I saw Raphael Honigstein. I don't quote me, but I think I saw him tweet something about even the players being like a bit worried that they're like, not putting in enough work in training, that they're not training hard enough, um, and just they they look very stale and and not creative uh, ever since Guardiola left and, and Ancelotti took over. Yeah, it's we really went into it last week, and it's a weird situation going on there. A lot of issues before the match. I I was pretty confident that Nagelsmann was going to be the boss at the start of next season at Bayern. But after I'm, I mean, I'm even even more certain if that's if that's a thing. But yeah, last week we also touched on that that crisis in Barcelona. I think we were probably looking at the wrong La Liga powerhouse as Barcelona have a perfect record, six wins out of six. Sitting atop the Spanish top flight, I mean Madrid, they kind of corrected their early struggles a little bit yesterday in the championship or in the Champions League. Excuse me, blowing Dortmund out of the water, but they did lose at home to Real Betis. So I think a good good way to start is by talking a little bit about Antonio Sanabria, who won that game for Real Madrid last week. And Steve, I think Joe Donahue profiled him in the the second handbook last year's scouted handbook. That's correct. Yeah, he did, and uh, Sanabria is an interesting player that's kind of one of those guys that's been around for ages, but he's still he's so young, I'm pretty sure he's only 21 now. Um, yeah, and he, he, he was in the Paraguay team when his, he debuted at 17, but he, he hasn't been called up since 2016. Yeah, and so I think uh, he's another one that's starting to develop nicely. Uh, since, since that year, he spent on loan at uh, Gijón, in Spain, uh, where he scored a couple of hat-tricks and was generally uh, quite good there in patches when he was uh, scoring goals, uh, which I think he only scored in a few games. But yeah, two hat-tricks, and I think he had a brace in there as well. 
Um, but yeah, he's a nice player. Likes to sit on the last man. Bit of a bit of a poacher. Um, but yeah, it could be an interesting one for Betis, who are, who are doing quite well, I believe, this season. Yeah, they made some good signings and uh, like Boudaboos coming in from Montpellier. Uh, kind of under the, a lot of under the radar signings, and they're I believe they're all the way up to um, fourth, I think, in the Liga. Yeah, one spot ahead of Real Madrid. But yeah, Real Madrid, I think they'll be fine. Uh, had a look at their expected goal numbers, and they were, they're underperforming quite a lot. So I think yeah, they've already hit the now, post five times. Yeah, and I think now with Ronaldo uh, back as well from his suspension, they'll be fine. I think in the long run, they're still the strongest team in La Liga, and I think it's also only a matter of time before maybe a couple of cracks just start to appear in Barcelona as well. They were, yeah, they yeah. did struggle quite a bit today in the Champions League against Sporting as well. Yeah, everyone's making the joke that the own goal is the second highest scorer for Barcelona this season after Messi. And I mean, I don't think own goals are bad unless they're the fixed match kind of own goals of the whole opposing team kind of passing it back and then throw a net. You know, they they're putting the pressure on on the opposition. Yeah, still like they did it against Sporting today, and and Sporting really like kicked them to hell today. Well, I don't know, six or seven yellow cards, as you'd expect, but. Sporting are also a pretty good team, so getting that away win for Barca was, was still an important result. Um, but yeah, I think, especially with Dembele out, um, Suarez is still easing his way into the season. They're still very Messi-reliant. Uh, so if he goes through a little rough patch, um, there could be some problems at Barcelona. Yeah, but Paul, at least for them, Paulinho has been looking solid, looking like the player they need. Um Let's move on to a team that's in their championship group, Juventus, and start some Serie A chat. Paulo Dybala, oh, I mean, we've been raving about him forever. <laughs> I feel like it's scouted, but this season, I think, is really when he's going to cement himself as one of the best goal scorers in Europe. Yeah, it's going to be very sad when he has his 24th birthday uh, in November. I'm going to be very upset not being able to tweet about him anymore. Um, yeah, I'm going to start reporting you, Steve, even if even if the scouted account can use 280 characters, we're going to report. Because <laughs> I'll just blabber on about Dybala all day. Yeah, this season he's uh, playing a lot closer to goal and it's kind of uh, led to a few problems with uh, Higuain scoring less, but Dybala's taken up a lot of the mantle. Uh, 10 in 7 games, I believe it is now, after he didn't score tonight, but was very, very close. Uh, but yeah, last season he often drifted uh, especially towards the right channel and kind of had a lot of interplay with Danny Alves. But now with the lack of um, creativity or attacking play coming from the right back spot, he isn't doing that so much anymore. He's sticking a lot more to the to the edge of the box. And when he gets it in that position, he's so savvy around the goal. Um, excellent touches and his left foot is something to behold. Uh, if you go back and watch his hat-trick, He's already got two hat-tricks this season, but if you check out his hat-trick against uh, Sassuolo uh, two weeks ago, some of the finishes in that in those three goals were just absolutely phenomenal. But uh, expect that his finishing hot streak might die off a little bit, but I still think he, uh, if he keeps playing this close to goal, could easily score 25 goals in Serie A this season, possibly more. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And uh, what I had mentioned, that figure, I guess, in our, our rundown, 10 goals in six games, I was just in the league. Overall, it's 9 and 12. Yeah, he hasn't scored in the Champions League yet, but it, uh, two in the Cup. Ah, okay, yep. Yeah, he's just been phenomenal. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how Higuain can work his way back into the 11 because he was obviously dropped tonight but scored off the bench. Um, but I think, yeah, him and Dybala still have a little bit to work out in their dynamic as Dybala starts to move closer to goal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we know he's, he's kind of like a withdrawn striker, a second striker. But, I mean, if he's scoring like that, I think it's okay to throw him up top, even if he's not as physical. Yeah, and it might mean a little bit more uh, Mandzukic up front, who uh, is more of a hold-up player than a poacher like Higuain is. So uh, I think if Dybala can hover around Mandzukic, that could create more opportunities for him as uh, as Mandzukic fights for those aerial balls and, and Dybala can clean up the scraps around around those aerial contests. Yeah, yeah, no, obviously with the Champions League, you're going to have a lot of matches, so ro- rotation for them. When is... Um... Piazza come back? Is he still out uh, for them? I'm not sure, but he's not even in the Champions League squad. So um, even when he does come back, there's so much competition now for places. Even uh, the new signing Benadeski's oh yeah yeah been battling been battling to get minutes. He's pretty much only been getting you know five minutes here or there. Um, so I love Marco Piazza, but. Uh, it's going to be difficult for him to recover from this ACL and then you know slot back straight into getting minutes. Wouldn't be surprised if he goes out on loan in the second half of the season once he uh, recovers fully. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So, um, yeah, I guess Juventus, they're still at the top of City, I guess a little bit behind Napoli on goal difference at, in second, but both perfect with 18 points. And kind of surprisingly, Inter are in third with 16. They drew once, but they've only allowed two goals. They have a great defense so far. Yeah, uh, Skriniar, uh, the 22-year-old that they signed from Sampdoria, has been a real revelation. He's already a massive fan favorite amongst Inter fans. Um, not just is he big, strong, dominant in the air, quite solid uh, from a positional standpoint, but he also has the ability to drop into the midfield as he has done for Slovakia. So obviously, he's very, very capable on the ball. Um, not exuberant with his passing like a Bonucci, but uh, very comfortable uh, playing short, simple passes into the midfield uh, and obviously out wide as well. Yeah, and you know, for Lazio, who's it? Luis Alberto is this guy that what he moved over from Liverpool for like three million or something, and he's on fire for Lazio. I think Lazio just on fire as a whole. Um, he's made a uh, excellent contribution linking up with uh, Chiro Immobile, who's on a, another scoring hot streak this season. Uh, him and Dybala just blowing everyone away at the moment. Uh, yeah, but uh, Alberto has really uh, benefited from playing under Simone Inzaghi, who's proving to be one of the best coaches in Serie A, which is strange to say because he was really a last-minute uh, last minute addition to Lazio when... Uh, Bielsa rejected them at the at the last minute yeah, when yeah. he was going to become the manager. Um, but yeah, he's got Lazio playing some excellent, excellent football, um, really focusing around his best players. Uh, everything pretty much goes through uh, Alberto or Milinkovic-Savic when they're going forward. 
Um, and yeah, it's really working wonders. Yeah, Milinkovic Savage is fantastic. Um, I guess we kind of skipped Napoli, but I think they're one of the funnest teams to watch in in Europe right now. They don't have really a whole ton of scouted U twenty three players, but they're still great to watch. And I, I'm yeah, there's there's another undefeated team, Sampdoria. Still, they have a game in hand. They're in seventh, but still undefeated. That's impressive. And moving towards the bottom of the league, an, an argument I've been hearing lately is that City A should move to 18 teams like the Bundesliga because it would be more competitive and maybe do a relegation playoff or something because some of these teams at the bottom are, are just garbage. Well, first, I just want to touch on, on Napoli because uh, at this stage in the season, they've proven by f- to be by far the, uh, the best team over the sample size that we have so far in 17-18. Um, and Sampdoria might be close to you know probably in that third or fourth best team so far and what they've uh, proven they blew away AC Milan the other day uh, at home beating them 2-0 uh, and in particular uh, Lucas Torreira the Uruguayan the Uruguayan Verratti Former was really Pascaro. really impressive <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of a lot of that Verratti bloodline running through him and he's that little short uh, tough tackling but also uh quite uh quite nice passing ability as well in that Verati ilk um but yeah back to the 18 18 team discussion i'm i'm more coy on it than others i know your colleague at being uh, matteo bonetti uh is massive on reducing the league to 18 teams but uh, i think there's a few issues mainly that uh you have less games that every single one of the 18 teams remaining uh, gets less money from TV rights because there's less games to sell. Um, they could be argued that then the quality of the league will improve and then that will then translate into uh, the rights being more valuable. But I don't know. It's a bit of a toss-up. Yeah, it's a, it's a long-term kind of an unknown thing. Yeah, and the other thing is just exposing more clubs, more regions um, to the elite level. Like, for example... Uh, there's no team from Sicily now that Palermo have been relegated um, in Serie A. So and, and now think, Palermo aren't even in new the new FIFA 18. They're a generic team, so it's like that's yeah. So so yeah, I think having less teams kind of limits Serie A to mostly in the north of Italy, where most of the teams are at the moment, um, and just yeah, less games, less fun, less interesting stories. Um, you wouldn't have had your Crotone of last season because they would have got relegated coming where they were. Um, I don't know. It's a hard. It's hard to say because, yes, having eighteen teams then uh, means you've got a smaller talent pool. So you should. Uh, uh, sorry, a bigger talent pool compared to how many clubs there are. Uh, but yeah, it's a really difficult one, and I'm sure there'll be more discussions of it because I think some of the higher ups in the Italian federation are. are quite keen on the idea as well yeah i think it would really benefit the teams at the top to have a winter break but that benefiting the people at the top isn't necessarily good for the league and like you said we would have missed out on the great story of david nicola riding his bike from crotone where all the way to turin throughout <laughs> throughout all of italy after they after they well, arrived but italy still have a winter break because because like in france and in england they have 
a League Cup. There's no League Cup in Italy. It's just the straight Serie A and the Coppa Italia. Yeah, but if, um, I'm saying like the the German model where it's like a Bundesliga oh, where they've got like a whole month off. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if I'm too crash hot on that because it kind of breaks up the season almost too much. It's um, even maybe if they focus the cup in that portion and then spread the league games out and not have so many uh, midweek games on in the second half of the season when the uh, around when the big Champions League games are on that might that might be a solution then um, but I, I don't know if I'm too crash hot on like that month break that the Bundesliga has yeah yeah I think that really it really breaks up the league sometimes too much for because if you're maintaining momentum in December you don't want to lose that yeah, and then a lot of Bundesliga teams end up playing friendlies and um, have these overseas training camps and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm too fond of that idea. Yeah, definitely a, a good discussion that's going to keep continuing. But when there are teams like Benevento, we might not even win a game all season the way the way that they've been looking. Um, yeah, I think we just have a little bit left for you guys today. I guess we can get back. A little bit. Let's go back to that uh, the Dortmund Real Madrid, and of course, you watched the Europa Youth League game yesterday before the before falling asleep. Actually, before the the big Champions League game. Huh? Yes, it's hard sometimes to stay awake until uh, five a.m. to start watching Champions League games when you live in Melbourne. But I did catch the the UEFA Youth League game between Dortmund and Real Madrid, which was an absolute cracker. Uh, Dortmund. One five three. They started the game with uh, Alexander Isak, uh, Jaden Sancho playing uh, alongside Jakob Bruna Larsson in attack, and they were absolutely phenomenal. They could have scored ten goals. The amount of chances that Alexander Isak missed was uh, quite ridiculous. Um, it was awesome that he got into those positions, but on his day, he could have scored three or four goals easily. But uh, Jakob Bruna Larsson really stood out. Uh, with two goals and two assists. Uh, and uh, David Cartledge, uh, an excellent follow on Twitter, if you don't follow him already, uh, pointed out that he has a few similarities uh, similarities to, to Marco Royce. So hopefully he can avoid some injuries. And if you can play like Marco Royce without injuries, he will be a very, very good player in the future. Um, but yeah, definitely, if you're listening to this, there have been some excellent uh, UEFA Youth League games some teams to watch definitely is Celtic, uh, Chelsea, if you get a chance, uh, PSG are quite good, and Dortmund, uh, Barca, and Real Madrid, all awesome teams to watch. Yeah, and I was following along with your Twitter, or the, the scouted Twitter, it seemed like it was a, a great game, goals left and right, and on the big stage in, in Dortmund, it wasn't as the black and yellows would have liked it to be as Real Madrid won 3-1 their first win ever in Dortmund Cristiano comes back with two goals um they were goals number two and three on the night Bear, uh, Gareth Bale stole the show it was an, an insane volley to open the scoring but before that Sergio Ramos handballed it on the line I think Dortmund will be wishing that the VAR was in the Champions League only in the Bundesliga so far or it's in Serie A and other leagues as well but they didn't have access to it in the Champions League last night. Um, Aubameyang came back with a goal, but it was too late, and Pulisic only could come on for 15 minutes. So sorry to to Fox who had the all the Pulisic graphics rolled out for that. <laughs> yeah, it's quite funny when when the um, 
when all the Pulisic stuff comes out and he yeah he's starting on the bench and and they've hyped him up so much and he just plays a bit part role in a game that they're they're already down and likely to lose. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's quite funny that Americans will only be sometimes of oh, some Americans fair weather Americans will only be interested in a game if Pulisic's playing. Yeah, when yeah. it's dormant against Real Madrid. When you, I mean, you should be interested in that enough anyway. But um, yeah, Dortmund now two games, no points in that group. Spurs and Real taking it at the top, and then there's poor Applewell at the. We're <laughs> just gonna get bombed at the bottom. But um, yeah, the Champions League really is unfolding nicely so far. I think we got a got a lot to look forward to moving on. But Europa League tomorrow. Uh, we can kind of move on to s- some of the teams that are over there, like Zenit. Uh, Zenit have been doing pretty well so far. They play Real Sociedad. And, yeah, I think... Yeah, that that's a great Barman. match. That's going to be an awesome match. Oh, yeah. And uh, yesterday, yesterday as well, Porto got... Porto are off to a great start over in Liganos. And they haven't... I don't know. I just realized they hadn't won the title since the 12-13 season. They beat Benfica by a point. Benfica won four straight this year, but today Benfica lost 5-0 to Basel. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on at Benfica. Um, lost a fair few players over the summer again, uh, namely uh, Nelson Semedo. Um, yeah, he's been really good for Barcelona. They also lost Mitroglu as well. Yeah, he has been. He's fitted in really nicely. Um, and they lost Mitroglu as well up front. But yeah, it just seems like they're a little bit stale. Um, they're playing like a kind of a weird four four two, and Basel sliced them open. And then they got a red card, and Basel went in for the kill and smashed them for five. So a uh, bit worrying, and I think they will struggle to retain that title now because they've already dropped a, a fair few points. And once you drop a fair few points in Portugal, though that those big two or the big three, they generally don't drop too many points over the course of the season. So um, they'll be hoping uh, to maybe beat Porto home and away and, and start clawing back at that deficit. Yeah, it's 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 going to be difficult for them. Just like Ajax. Ajax are all the way down in seventh, but last year they made $50 million in profit. So I guess it's cool. But yeah, anyway, back to back to Basel. There's a guy, Dimitri Oberlin, 20-year-old winger who scored two goals today. He was the man of the match, according to who scored. So uh, he's actually on loan from Red Bull Salzburg, so one to watch. Over there in the Austrian Bundesliga going forward, um, yeah, I think I think we can just give a couple more. If you had any other shoutouts, I guess the the Celtic guys today, Patrick Roberts scored a goal, and you're obviously you're big on Kieran Tierney. Sorry, he cut out there. What did you oh, say at the end? Sorry, yeah, I was just saying Patrick Roberts scored for Celtic, and then your boy Kieran Tierney also doing. Doing well for them as they beat Anderlecht in, in Brussels. Yeah, I got a few different little things to touch on before before we finish up. We touched on Ajax before. Um, they've got a fair few problems with uh, not just their manager, but their whole uh, club structure that came to the appointment of the manager, who is a friend of Dennis Bergkamp. And I think uh, you're going to see a little bit of drama play out at Ajax this season. I think. I think Fine Order and PSV will, will really battle it out. I think Ajax are going to struggle to be in the in the title picture. Um, 
And then Celtic, yeah, it's really nice to see them when they come up against, you know, a team that's kind of around their level in Anderlecht. Um, and it, it shows that Brendan Rodgers, one, can manage, and two, that, yeah, Celtic have put together a pretty good team um, that when they're not coming up against those super clubs like the Man Cities and of the world uh, that and PSGs of the world, that, that they can play pretty well. Um so yeah, it'd be nice to see them do something in Europa if they they get third in that group. Yeah, that'd be really that'd be really Europa is becoming a really nice competition when it gets to that round of thirty two round of sixteen stage. Some of the group games can be a bit a bit trashy, um, but yeah, when it gets to that round of thirty two round of sixteen, there can be some really nice matchups against some interesting teams. Yeah, especially with the, with the like, Champions League place on the line, you see like United obviously went yeah, for it last year. The NEC teams really go for it. And under like pushed them in the in, what was it the the quarterfinals the semifinal yeah. yeah and I think uh, sorry yeah it was a quarterfinal not the semifinal they played Celta um, I think the teams like AC Milan for example are probably going to really go for it um, once it gets out of the group stage if they still aren't hanging around that Serie A top four um, so yeah it's, Europe League is great competition especially to to scope out some young players as well from some more niche teams out there. Yeah, definitely. So a really big match day there. We're not going to do any of those in, in our games to watch. For the weekend, we're going to stick to some, some league matches. So we'll start with Real Sociedad against Real Batiste. That's on Saturday. It's the, the early game, 11 o'clock GMT. I think it's in the U.S. Eastern time. It's the the 6 or 7 a.m. one. Yeah, Sociedad have got some really nice players. Um Audrey Zola at right back and, and Big Mickey Oyazabal. Um, so that'd be definitely be a good game to catch. Yes, Batiste, sorry, I misspoke earlier. They're in fifth, just one spot ahead of Real Madrid who are, who are sixth. But Real Sociedad just in eighth. So they've, they've scored 13, conceded 13. Neither team has, has drawn a game this season. Batiste, four wins, two draw, or two losses, and Real Sociedad, three wins, three losses. So... Naturally, that one will probably end in a draw. But after that, you can hop over to PSG Bordeaux Saturday at 4 p.m. GMT. And a player I was told to talk about tonight is Malcolm at Bordeaux. He's been doing really well. Yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm propaganda all the way. Definitely catch that game. Not just for Mbappe, Neymar, and Cavani. But yeah, Malcolm's been absolutely brilliant. Um, after that, it's Chelsea against Manchester City. That's at 17.30 GMT. And at, at Stamford Bridge, that should be great. Pep's got his side playing really good football, and Conte, his men were able to snake a, a late winner at the Wanda Metropolitano. Uh, Michi, actually. And I, and I didn't get to catch that game, but apparently Conte set out the team really, really nicely, and, and Chelsea were all over Atletico. So Antonio Conte masterclass. I think Chelsea may be the only team that will challenge City all the way this season. Yeah, from I think Man United might just drop off. Yeah, yeah. I think from every from everything I was seeing, it, it looked like Chelsea was dominating the match. Atleti just had a penalty that leveled it, but um, or that took, that gave them the lead. Then Morata came back with a header and Michi at the death. I saw Fabregas miss the sitter as well in in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That, I think um, that might have happened. I think it was like a little flash across the goal and he missed it at the far post but um yeah so that's going to be a really nice game um but whenever man city are playing it's always a, a pleasure to watch them and then yeah in portugal it's uh sporting against porto on sunday 
yeah, sorry, actually, let's go to, to Milan Roma. That's Sunday at 5 p.m. Uh, you don't want to miss that one, I think. And both teams really need a win, especially Milan, to stabilize after that loss against Sampdoria last week. Yeah, yeah, another loss for Milan. I think it could be the end for Montella because it it could be proven that he's out of his depth if if that's the case. Yeah, he's definitely under pressure after last week because he was pretty much just outclassed by Gianpaolo from uh, Sampdoria pretty much the whole game. Got stuck with uh, Kessie on the field. And after 75 minutes, he made his first sub. And it was just all going wrong for them. So, yeah, definitely need to win that game. Yeah, one of the later games on Sunday. And then right after that is Sporting CP against... Uh, they're hosting FC Porto. And Porto with the top of Liga Noche with 21 points. Sporting with 19. And, yeah, Benfica already down five points adrift of Porto. But that could be one that really really defines the Portuguese Premier League early on. And I'm sure Benfica are hoping that it's either a draw or that Sporting win. More so that Sporting win. Because uh, then they're right back in it again. Yeah, so I think I think that pretty much concludes episode 7 of Scout. It says, I guess the final game to watch if you're a Villa fan listening to this podcast would be Villa against Bolton on Saturday, Keenan Davis. Who would be a Villa fan? Who would be a Villa fan in 2017, Jack? No, Come Villa's on. coming around three league wins in a row, undefeated in seven. Uh, unless you're a Josh Onama man. Yeah, Onama. Onama came on. Uh, I thought he had scored, but it was actually given to Adoma the other day. Anyway, you probably don't care about Villa. You care about Scouted. So if you want to listen to Scouted Says, we're on iTunes or, excuse me, Apple Podcasts, as well as SoundCloud, where you probably found us. You can always check Scouted FT or, yes, on Twitter, Scouted FTBL. At Steven Scouted is Steve, I'm at Jack Grimsey, and sfhandbook.com. That's the one I was looking for, for all the Scouted content you want. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week. Hopefully you enjoy those games we gave you to watch this weekend. Steve, it was a great pleasure. Talk again soon.